Hello, everybody. This is uh, your host of FanWith, the FanBite podcast, Stephen Strom, here once again this week. Uh, I've got good news and bad news, and you can probably guess based on my voice and the way that I'm introducing this what the bad news is, and that is that Merritt and Nikki aren't around this week. That, but hold on. Don't get too upset just yet. I know we just did one of these um, short check-in podcasts here two weeks ago, but it's actually for a good reason this time. It's not because anything broke. It is actually because uh, Marin and Nikki are on their way to PAX right now. They're both on their way to Seattle to go see PAX West, the uh, big uh, trade show out there that everybody, I'm sure, pr- who's listening to this probably knows about already. They're going to go see some games. They're going to go play some stuff. They're probably going to see a lot of stuff that they already saw at E3, but they're going to have hands-on time with it, stuff like that. The good news about that, other than the fact that they're going to have a bunch of coverage of PAX West in general and just probably going to have a good time, Uh, I'm sure, I guess, I mean, if you care about that sort of thing, they are going to be doing a series of different uh, PAX West check-in podcasts while they're there, Merida and Nikki themselves, Uh, they'll be sending me the files, I'll be putting them up on the website, so actually there should be more fan with content on this feed this week than normal, and on top of that, I actually kind of wanted to do, this will be a shorter one obviously because it's just me and you don't want to listen to me talk for an hour and 50 minutes, but it'll be a little bit longer short one if that makes any sense at all. Uh, because actually I have quite a bit of stuff I wanted to talk about. Um, Merritt and Nikki I don't think had really played a lot of stuff anyway this week. There was, uh, I think Nikki made it, maybe put hands on the Dark Pictures anthology Man of Badan. That's the new horror slasher game from the makers of Until Dawn. A game that I actually really like a lot. I think it was kind of a surprise sleeper hit for me of, what was it, 2016 I think? It was kind of, it was a PS4 game, uh... Like, I don't have a horror thing set in a um, cabin on a mountain that was really, really cool. Um, The Dark Pictures uh, anthology is kind of there, as you can probably tell by the name. It's the that studio's, the Supermassive Games' um, anthology series where it's going to be a bunch of different, like, individual episodes with different stories. And they're going to be much shorter and cheaper, but there will be more of them kind of in that same style of, like, choose-your-own-adventure game horror thing. Uh, and this first one is Man of Medan, it's set on a ghost ship. I got to see it actually at E3 this year. I played a little bit of a section. It was actually before you had gotten onto the ghost ship, uh, but when you were getting assailed by pirates. I think I actually wrote a preview of that. So you can go to fanbyte.com, fanbyte with a Y, obviously, and go check out my thoughts about that in general. But it's basically like a choose-your-own-adventure teen slasher movie type thing. The guy what plays Iceman from the X-Men is in it. Uh, I think there's some other people that maybe are known actors. I'm really bad at... If anybody who listens to this to this show, you probably know that I am very bad at remembering the names of actors or what they've been in or anything at all, really, that isn't directly related to video games. Uh, or comics sometimes, I guess. Um, but yeah, Nikki touched that. I think he might have put a stream up on TV. No, twitch.tv slash fanbite, so you might be able to watch that there. If he hasn't already, he will soon. I got a code for that, too, so maybe I'll check that out sometime this week. It's Wednesday, obviously. I was hoping to get this up a little bit earlier today, but we ran into some uh, other issues and stuff that needed to be put up and addressed. But, um, yeah, uh, so I might check that out myself, because I really liked Until Dawn. Uh, Merit is continuing to play... Uh, Monster Hunter World, she says, uh, she gave me kind of a little bit of a check-in the other day, uh, has been kind of updating me a little bit on Monster Hunter World in general, and her progress about trying to get through it and remember everything uh, in time for Iceborne, which, holy crap, Iceborne is out, what, next week? Next? Yeah, next week, next Friday, uh, is the expansion. Uh, Very excited for that, I've been playing that a lot too, obviously. Uh, But Merritt, yeah, uh, checked in with me, said that she had uh, accidentally fought an arch-tempered Lunastra, 
which is the, uh, as I like to call it, a Super Saiyan that's gone beyond Super Saiyan version of a monster. There's there's monsters, there's tempered monsters, and then there's arch-tempered monsters. Uh, and those are the strongest things that you can currently fight in Monster Hunter World. She accidentally fought one when she's still trying to learn the game. She hadn't even really fought... I think she hadn't even ever fought a regular Lunastra, which is one of the hardest monsters in the game. It's like a big winged chimera bl with blue fire and uh it sucks it kind of microwaves you and then the super version of it the microwave does tons of damage and explodes twice so that it uh knocks you down so you can't heal mid microwave it's really bad it's a tough fight uh, I've of course beaten it uh, at least seven times because I have seven pieces. Uh, I've got the five pieces of the armor and then the two that I needed for the layered armor to look like Sakura. Anybody who watches my Monster Hunter streams on twitch.tv slash fanbite will know that I sometimes like to rock the Sakura Street Fighter V gear. <coughs> but no, it's fine. I'm sure Merit will get there eventually too. I'm sure she'll she'll uh, get there. Honestly, actually, one of the things that I've... Uh, having played with Merit a little bit in Monster Hunter World, the thing I keep coming back to saying to her is that I think she remembers... Way more of that game than she gives herself credit for because she actually kind of rules at it um, for somebody who hasn't played it in like seven months. But yeah, uh, so those are what those two have been playing for the most part, I believe. I have been playing, if anybody who listened last week to our last full episode will know, I was playing something that I couldn't talk about publicly yet because we had to sign probably the most arcane NDA I have ever, not ever, not, not ever, definitely not ever, but it was the it was the biggest NDA or the, like the most uh, involved NDA I had had to sign in a long long time. It was like one that they literally made us print off onto a piece of paper, write a signature on by hand, and then send back to them. Which I hadn't had. I I don't have a working scanner anymore because nobody does that anymore. Sony and sometimes Nintendo will do stuff like that every once in a while because they send uh, physical copies of games sometimes. Still, this was not a physical copy. I got it on the Xbox One X. Uh, but it, the game, by the way, was Control. Um, they maybe signed a non-disclosure agreement for that one, uh, but they needn't have really bothered too much because I actually really like that game. Uh, you have a full review of it on fanbyte.com that you can go read uh, for if you want like my really um, fully crystallized thoughts on the game. But overall, I really, really like it. It has a lot of um, technical issues. It's a third-person shooter, um, just to get to the meat of it and not, you know get bogged down. It's a third-person shooter. If, if people remember MindGate, uh, PsyOps, the MindGate conspiracy, that old midway third-person shooter for the PlayStation 2 and original Xbox, um, it's a lot like that, where it's a third-person shooter where you are also like using a lot of psychic powers throughout, and in particular telekinesis. You kind of jump in between using telekinesis to um, hit enemies, wait for their, your psychic powers to recharge, then shoot enemies, wait for your gun to recharge, because there's no ammo in the game, there are no ammo pickups. Uh, you just wait for a gun to recharge. You have, like, this kind of living gun made of tiny cubes called the service weapon. And it um, doesn't... It, it, it kind of just, like, whatever type of gun you are making it, because you can it can morph into all these different things. It can be a regular pistol. It can be a submachine gun. It can be a rocket launcher. It can be all these different things. All of it is just tied to this weird kind of, like, recharge and cooldown. None of There's no ammo for anything. Um, so the game becomes this kind of interplay of using your uh, telekinesis to throw things at people and then dodge around, and then also uh, shoot them a bunch. That's kind of the whole game to a certain degree in terms of, like, the actual game part of the game. It's a, it's vaguely Metroidvania. There's some puzzles. The puzzles are, I will say, probably the weakest part of the game. Uh, I don't really go into this too deeply in my review, but a lot of the puzzles are just, like, not well explained at all. They're just kind of, like 
throw you into it. There's like this one puzzle, for instance, where like you are in a giant room with this like big giant angry cloud monster that is like floating around, and you can kind of shoot it, and it'll stun it, but you can't kill it. And the idea is that you have to like put it in this containment area. You basically have to trick it into running into this one room, stun it, run out a second door to that room, press a button, and lock it inside. And that's the only way to like lift a lockdown because the creature is loose. That there's a lockdown that won't lift until that creature is put back in its cage. The game doesn't really tell you that that's what's going on, though. There's a door that you can press a button to that will open up, and that's where you need to go. But there's nothing, like, even, there's, there's even, like, a nearby collectible that explains a bunch of stuff. But there's nothing near, and then it says, like, observe proper containment protocols when handling this creature, it says. But there's no indication that, like, what those proper containment protocols are, or that the door will only unlock once the creature is contained or which part of the room you have to contain the creature in it's really unclear about that stuff uh so i think that's probably most of the time it ends up being like the the puzzle is so simple that it doesn't matter that much but a couple of times you do run into some things like that um it's a metroidvania so there's also some times where it's like the solution to the puzzle is just come back later because you don't have the right upgrade yet but the game also doesn't do a standout job of telling you that you don't have the upgrade that you need sometimes uh the main character jesse faden who i actually really like i really like the main character i really like the style i really like a lot of stuff about this game for as much as i'm talking shit up about it right now but i'm getting that out of the way because i want to say that um the game is very good but Sometimes she will say things like, ah, how the hell do I get up there, or how do I do this, or whatever, and kind of indicate that you can't do something right now. I could say that, that even that stuff that stuff doesn't happen often enough, and I would say that it doesn't do a good job of... Um, I would say even the, like the, the language that they use, the phrasing, isn't hyper clear that, like, hey, you absolutely cannot get this thing right now. Come back after you get the flight power. Um, instead, it's a bunch of stuff where, um, you know... You're kind of running around and not sure where to go, especially since the map in the game is actually really, really bad. And I think this is something I wanted to work into my uh, review but didn't get a chance to, which is that uh, Resident Evil 2, the remake, came out this year and kind of spoiled me for uh, big third-person shooter uh, 3D maps because that map in that game is so good, and we already know that other games are going to start stealing that idea, like the, uh, the Respawn folks, uh, the Titanfall, Apex Legends, Jedi Fallen Order folks are saying that they are basically stealing that whole idea for Jedi Fallen Order. Um, that, that map is going to basically tell you absolutely everything at any given time. It'll say, like, hey, you can pick up what is in this room right now, or you cannot pick up what's in this room right now, or you have used this one item for as many things as it can possibly use, be used for, you can discard it now, etc., etc., etc. And this map in this game is just very vague, and that's because they... It's kind of a neat idea, but I don't know that it's super well executed because it's never important often enough that so sometimes what ends up happening is you just forget this is a thing. But the what it wants you to do is the office building, the oldest house, is littered with all of these signs like you would see an, in an office building. Like signs that say, like, go left to go to, like, the secretary, whatever, or go right to go to the mailroom, that sort of thing. And it only comes up... A couple of times throughout the whole game is the thing, but there are some times where you absolutely have to look at the signs to get around, and I don't think that's particularly well implemented. It feels like kind of a remedy thing in general, that I feel like they have had a million little ideas like this spread across all of their games, where it's like, okay, this part is okay, the shooting is solid enough, and that's kind of true of all of their games. The shooting is solid enough, so I'm willing to overlook some of these problems or whatever, but... You know, this one idea that they have here doesn't work well enough to justify everything else. I love the style. I love, like, all the FMV. I love all of the weird musical choices. I love that stuff. But, blah, 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 blah. 
Control, I think, does... Uh, this has kind of been the narrative around the game, and I kind of agree with this to a certain degree, but um, what I've seen a lot of people saying is that this is the first Remedy game that really has a bunch of ideas that it throws at the wall, and they throw enough of them at the wall and enough of them work well enough that it's the first game that, of theirs that feels like completely whole and intact in a, a, like a clear version of their vision of the game. I think that's fairly true. I, th I think that's I think that's fair. I think that's a pretty good summation, actually. Uh, I think that some of the ideas don't work, but there are so many of them that some of them do. I think I'm also slightly... I think it's partially just that I've been spoiled on a that map from Resident Evil, and I've also been spoiled on um, uh, SCP Foundation, which I think is a lot more interesting than a lot of the stuff that they throw at the wall in their, like, lore world-building story stuff. It's very good world-building and very good story stuff, but it is so evocative of SCP, and SCP is so out there and wild, and sometimes bad, but, like, never lacks for, like, creativity, whereas this game, like, okay, here's this weird object that has telekinesis. And then here's another weird object that has a different kind of telekinesis. And then this third weird object kind of has telekinesis. It's a lot of this stuff that they basically have to be like, well, we have to put this into a video game. What can you what can you do in a video game over and over again and just throw stuff at enemies, basically, is what it ends up being. Still, throwing stuff at enemies and recharging your gun and going back and forth, very fun. And also, once you get through kind of the chuff of the early game stuff, I feel like they actually do kind of keep a few things... Uh, a few of their better ideas for side quests uh, up till the end of the game. There's one involving a refrigerator that somebody has to be looking at at all times, um, which is also an SCP thing, which is also a Doctor Who thing. Like, if you know what the Weeping Angels are, you kind of have a general idea. But they do kind of a... They have a good twist on it that's not quite the same as either of those things. Um, those statue monsters. Uh, there's a refrigerator that, you know, it, it functions in a similar way, but it, you know, it, there's a bigger thing. I don't want to spoil it for people out there, but there's, there's a refrigerator quest. If you're going to play Control, make sure you do the refrigerator quest as soon as you can. There will be a point where you unlock the quest, and then it'll say, hey, come back after you deal with this other objective. As soon as you deal with that other objective, and the, the other objective for the refrigerator says, hey, you can come do this now, go do that one, because it's very good, and opens up some other cool stuff. Um, what else? Yeah, Control, playing another game I'm not allowed to talk about till Friday. It's Wednesday right now, so I was going to say tomorrow, but it's not tomorrow. It's still just Wednesday. God damn, does it feel like Thursday, though. feels like... Monday of next week right now, but no, I got that, uh, we got a couple of different games, and I think we're, I don't think we're allowed to say much about them, but I think we can at least in this case say that we have them, we, uh, we are taking a look at Final Fantasy VIII Remastered, and we are taking a look at, Final, uh, at, uh, Catherine Full Body, uh, two remasters of Japanese, uh, games, uh, you know, venerated, Japanese developed games that are also somewhat infamous for different reasons, so we'll be taking a look at those. Um, I can't say anything about them, uh, partially because I am under embargo, and partially because I never played much of Final Fantasy VIII, and I'm not playing that one anyway, so I have no idea what to tell you about that, and I've only played, like, a couple hours of Catherine, so I don't have a lot of opinions about that. I never played the first Catherine, or the original Catherine, this is a remaster kind of thing, with a lot of new stuff, It's my understanding. That's public knowledge, so I can say that. Um, so I'll be able to talk about that next week. Not a lot else going on in news... News stuff. News, news, news. Uh, we did have, I think we might, we, I can't remember if this had happened last week or not. There were the layoffs at Game Informer. Game Informer ended up laying off about half of its staff, is my understanding, uh, which is uh, just really, really shitty. Maybe a little bit something. Uh, I actually feel a little bit weird because I had literally just, the day before those layoffs happened, I had made the comment uh, that 
I had a feeling that that was going to happen sometime in the future, that or that, that Game Informer was going to look very different in the future uh, by virtue of the fact that they are owned by GameStop, um, and GameStop is not the healthiest corporation these days. And then, lo and behold, I think less than 24 hours later, they laid off half their staff, which, you know, I don't know. That's a, it's a real bummer. That stuff happens way too often. Ah, yeah. Uh, Shout-outs to everybody there. Uh, Serial Vasquez and Ron Khan. Sounds like they're, uh, you know, some of these folks are landing on their feet. We've reached out to a couple of them ourselves to try and get them to write some stuff for us. So keep an eye out for those things in the future as well. Um, for otherwise, uh, Gamescom happened. They showed off a Death Stranding trailer that looked bizarre, which I think we maybe talked about on this previous podcast. I don't remember. A lot of stuff has happened. I reviewed Control. I did guides. I did a bunch of streams. I did, I'm playing another game. I got Iceborne coming out here in a, like a week, less than a week and a half or whatever. Ugh, give me a break. You know, I got sometimes I got to take a break for some stuff. I was like, I'm really sick. I was sick on the last week's podcast. I do remember that. I uh, finally did get over my cold. Thank you for, thank you for your concern. Um, so I will definitely try to stay healthy here in the future. I think uh, flu season is pretty close to done. Actually, I say that. I literally don't know when flu season is. I don't know. I just know that's a thing. I think people said that flu season was happening or that the flu was going around locally, maybe. I feel, is, is flu season a winter thing or is it a fall thing? Is it, it's fall now, right? See, if Merritt or Nikki was here, one of them could Google this for me because I don't know if they would know either, but they might. They're more adult than me. Um... In some ways, you might say. They know things. Uh, I wish John was here. If John was here, he could tell me things, because I feel like he knows a lot of stuff. He's probably... He's the glue that holds this whole operation together. I'm just... I'm just a foot. I'm one foot. I'm like the Voltron that nobody cares about. Name one Voltron that is not just, you know, Voltron. Am I right? I, I say that, but the people love that uh, Voltron Legendary Defenders show, so, you know, I'm sure there's actually quite a lot of people who could name a lot of Voltron characters at this point, but... You know, not me. I've watched the first season, and uh, I actually could name a, a few characters, now that I think about it, but not really important. Um, yeah, so Nikki and uh, Merritt will be back here on uh, FanWith uh, throughout the week. They'll be sending me their files. I'll be putting them up. I'll have fun little uh, ditties in the show notes for people to look at and stuff like that we'll kind of go over whatever they're seeing i don't actually have their schedule in front of me so i'm not entirely sure what they are seeing because they are booked full though they are seeing a lot of games and i feel like a lot of the pax west stuff is just runoff from e3 i think i mentioned that at the beginning of this episode but it'll probably be them seeing a lot of uh games that they would have already seen in video form but now they'll see them hands-on i think one thing that they are seeing is actually they they actually are i think seeing iceborne i think they're checking out capcom in general uh, and I, I think they're also seeing Avengers. They're going to get hands-on with Avengers, the uh, Square Enix one, not Marvel Ultimate Alliance, but the uh, the one that did not look particularly good. We might say that third-person thing that they got going over there at uh, one of them companies at Square Enix. Uh, kind of, I'm actually, I'm deathly curious to see how that thing plays and how it feels and stuff like that because, like, it doesn't look particularly exciting. But I feel like we've seen that happen before, and also I feel like that game is still a good ways out and we're hearing some kind of rumors about some things that we hadn't really talked about on the at least on this show before where like that person doing the narration in the uh uh beginning of the avengers trailer is uh, uh kamala khan is miss marvel which they have also uh i guess had some news that's some tangentially related to video games and stuff like that or just pop culture in general i like comic books um 
Disney had D23 uh, on top of Gamescom and everything going on. They were also announced like a trillion new Marvel things, a trillion new shows. There was the whole thing about how Spider-Man's not going to be in the MCU anymore because corporations are thumping their chests at each other to try and make even more money about certain things, and it's all really, really dumb, and I hate it, and I hate that I even brought it up, but some of the cool stuff that they did announce from that D23 was uh, they got the... Uh, they got the uh, Miss Marvel. Miss Marvel's going to get her own TV series. That's going to be pretty cool. I'm excited. I freaking love that character. Kamala Khan is a really, really good character. G. Willow Wilson, an extremely good writer. She's no longer on that series. It's uh, now it's now Saladin Ahmed is now the writer on uh, Miss Marvel. And I don't think I've read any of his run yet. I, th I finished out the G. Willow Wilson run, but I don't think I've read any of Saladin Ahmed stuff. That said, Saladin Ahmed, also a fantastic comic book writer. Uh, if you've never read the... Very short-lived uh, Black Bolt series that he did. It's actually extremely good. He did. Um, he also did another one that I really, really liked. He's. I mean, he's also writing Miles Morales right now, which is pretty good. But uh, just in general, comic books are happening. I, I'm, I'm reading a little bit of that. A uh, little bit of that X Men. They brought Jonathan Hickman back to Marvel. Jonathan Hickman, who wrote uh, Avengers for a number of years there, and then wrote the the modern day Secret Wars, um, the the reboot kind of thing that kind of sort of rebooted Marvel, but not really. It was kind of at the end, or in the kind of like near the end of the old Marvel regime that has just been ousted within the last year or so. Um, I forget his name. There was a guy who was like the president of that company. He stepped down. It's now C.B. Sobolski, who's the guy, if you might know from the news, what pretended to be a Japanese man. He is not a Japanese man. He is a very white um, American man. And he pretended to be a Japanese man uh, named Akira Yoshida to basically bypass some interior Marvel regulations about freelancing. So that was cool of him. But he's the new head of Marvel's stuff. And I don't know how much of a hand he's had in it personally, but a lot of the stuff coming out of Marvel these days is pretty damn good. Um, I've written about that on the website. You can go read about um, Powers of X and House of X, which is the, are the two kind of warring miniseries by Jonathan Hickman, who also did two kind of warring series, Avengers and New Avengers, kind of alternating between weeks, focusing on different characters kind of in the same overarching story. He's kind of doing the same thing again, but in a much smaller scale with X-Men. Um, and it's a pretty good series, honestly. Jonathan Hickman's damn fine writer. Um, I think he's a little bit... His stuff is a little bit... Um, it's creepy and good and, like, science-y, weird science-y and... and Stuff, it's a little sterile. Uh, there's not a lot of, like, emotional stakes to a lot of his writing. Uh, Post-Fantastic Four, he had a really, really good... Pre-The Avengers stuff, he had a really good Fantastic Four run um, with this whole thing about, like, Doctor Doom becoming a good guy for a little bit and stuff like that. That was pretty emotional. The rest of his stuff is a lot of very world-building-centric and stuff like that. It's very, very dense, and, like, you could see it in House of X and Powers of X. It's He'll have, like, entire four pages dedicated to just glossaries of, like, timelines. There's, a I think it's a, the mini lives of Moira McTaggart or Moira X, I think is the name of the issue, of uh, House of X number two or Powers of X number two, one of those, uh, where uh, major X-Men character Moira McTaggart, uh, the... Uh, uh, ex-wife of Professor X um, has a big giant uh, reveal made about her character and there's this whole thing where that's just like four pages of timelines like alternate of ten different timelines that have like alternated over each other it's very strange that said I think like it's a little bit I don't know I have I have such mixed feelings about X-Men as a general concept because X-Men for the longest time have been such a metaphor for um, 
metaphor for civil rights, but they're a very bad metaphor for civil rights because, as one Austin Walker has pointed out in the past, uh, if he gets angry as a black man, he can't shoot laser beams out of his eyes. He's just a normal guy. He's just a man. Uh, whereas Cyclops gets angry, he shoot you know he shoots laser beams out of his eyes. So not a great civil rights metaphor. Yet it has been a civil rights metaphor in the past. So. If you're going to write that story, you either write it in a way that addresses that stuff or ignores it altogether or what. I don't know. Jonathan Hickman seems like he is kind of leaning into it, but not really in a way that uh, makes a direct connection because he loves his super science weirdness. If you've ever read Manhattan Projects, plural, or East of West is are two of his independent series for Image. They're very much like that. It's a bunch of weird science horror kind of stuff. Uh, and House of X, Powers of X, very much in that vein. It's it's X-Men horror-y, which is actually kind of a recurring thing with Marvel right now. One of my actual favorite comics, uh, as much as I think the X-Men stuff is okay, one of the, if you only read one, not maybe not one, but if you have any interest in the Hulk whatsoever, the, the current Hulk run by Al Ewing, one of my absolute favorite Marvel writers from the last uh, decade or so, fantastic run right now that has kind of brought it back to its horror roots, uh, kind of readdressing the like original, I think, six issues of the Hulk, where it was a horror story about how Bruce Banner only turned into the Hulk at night, almost like werewolf-like, um, and then they over the years they just continued to mess with the rules of what the Hulk is and isn't, like over and over and over and over again. Mark Wade had an okay run called Invincible Hulk, I want to say, um, where they kind of address that a little bit. But yeah, the, the Hulk continuity is a total mess. But uh, Al Ewing kind of took it back to its roots, kind of brought this idea where Bruce Banner can die. You know, it's that classic thing where from the Avengers 2012 movie where Bruce Banner puts a gun in his mouth and, you know, uh, can't die because he's the Hulk. He, he just turns into the Hulk. Whereas in the comics version of that right now, uh, he does die, but then every night the Hulk just comes back out and, and Bruce Banner just resurrects in the morning. So, uh, violent series, um, just content warning on that stuff. Like, you know, I just, I, I probably should have put a content warning there at the beginning just for the, the reference to what happens to him, what he tries to do in the movie and in the comics, uh, what Bruce Banner tries to do. But, um, you know, it's a very violent series, um, so, so, be, so be warned about that. Uh, but otherwise, very cool, very interesting. A lot of very cool stuff with the Hulk in there. Uh, a lot of cool stuff in Marvel in general right now. Um, I would like to see them maybe put a lot, a little bit more of their like most interesting writers at the forefront on stuff like that. But in, or especially a lot of their marginalized writers uh, who have kind of like for the longest time carried that company when it was in its kind of dark phase there during that previous guy's tenure um, prior to CB Sobolski. But no, it's. It's good comics, but it's still, like, the most of the big names are still being written by, you know, middle-aged white dudes. So, you know, but despite the fact that, like, Marvel has had a million really, really great um, women and people of color writing for it over the past few years, they haven't really... You you don't see them getting a lot of the biggest characters at the biggest events. Weird how that shakes out, but just the same. Uh, you know, whatever, I mean, well, not whatever, but, but I will say... Uh, Ta-Nehisi Coates is writing um, Black Panther, has been for quite some time. He's also writing Captain Marvel, or not Captain Marvel, Captain America right now, which is pretty good. Uh, I need to catch up on that at some point. But yeah, anyway, so that's comics, that's comic book TV series, that's video games, that's kind of everything for this week, or at least for today. As Like I said, it was going to be a little bit longer of one of these check-in episodes, one of these solo flights, but Merritt and Nikki will be back pretty shortly here within the next couple of days once they land and get their bearings straight and everything they're bringing out recording equipment so they'll be doing stuff from the motel room i assume or motel room 
we're setting them up something better than that, I think. But whatever, the, wherever they're, uh, you know, based out of, they will have some kind of recording equipment there, helping them kind of give you some daily check-ins and stuff like that. So do definitely continue to check this feed for some PAX West check-ins. Um, that's maybe going to be something that we'll probably try to do a lot more of at future trade shows. Uh, we're kind of moving out of trade show territory uh, for 2019, but come... I mean, it's almost, it's not too far off from 2020 right now. Uh, it's almost September. Uh, this after, I think it's next Sunday, September, Sunday or Monday. Uh, so we're not too far off, actually, from a whole nother year of whatever it is this is that we're living right now. So um, one thing I have forgotten to do in previous episodes, the previous like six or so episodes, is you can definitely send in questions for next week or for Merit and Nikki if you want. I'm sure we probably won't address them until next week, but... You know, I'll give them the option. Uh, you can go to, I think it's podcast at fanbyte.com uh, to send in questions, comments, concerns, ideas, anything that you want, basically. Um, you don't have to be funny. It doesn't have to be, you know, you don't, if you're, if you don't think it's going to be interesting, that's fine too. Like, you know, you, you're honestly, you're going to be more interesting and more funny than you think you are just by virtue of, like, being yourself, honestly. Like, don't, you don't have to try anything too fancy. Just if you have anything interesting you want to hit us with, podcast at fanbyte.com. Um, we read all of those, uh, or I certainly do. Uh, we check. We all get them. I read them, at least. Uh, so yeah, if you can reach out with that, and then uh, we'll hit those as soon as we possibly can. Uh, depending on what the content of it is, I'll either wait for Merritt and Nikki, or I'll have them do it again themselves. I don't know. Anyway, um, until next time. Until I see you, probably not till next week, unless you watch my streams or whatever. Um, thanks for the knowledge.